Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. We're back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio on this Wednesday, October 12, 2022. My man, DeMond Cotton, behind the wheels of steel. Your boy Q back in, in studio after a day away. I was back at the home studio yesterday, but now back in the studio. Uh, good to be in here. It's always good to be able to catch up and get back into the studio where I feel like I'm always away from the studio as of late. But here we go. Got a big show lined up for you today. Very excited about it. Got a great topic coming up during the opening drive that I think everyone, and I mean everyone, is going to have a good time interacting, talking about, discussing, and coming up with answers and even potentially solutions. So i uh, got a lot to get to. So funny. I was, uh, I was at the house yesterday after the show, and I was thinking about today's show because that's just how my mind goes. As soon as, I'm, as, soon as we say bye, as soon as we say bye, I start thinking about the next day. And all of a sudden, something clicked in my head, and it had to do with what head coach Josh McDaniels had said in his media session on Tuesday. So that's going to come up during the opening drive. I'm very excited about the topic. think that everyone's going to have a lot of fun with that. But also got some really good guests coming up on the show today. At 2.30, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, our good friend, he'll join the show. And uh, he's written, first of all, a really like two or three really good pieces uh, that, are, that are out there that I wanted to talk to him. And we catch up with Paul probably every, what, like once every couple of weeks we usually catch up with Paul. So I uh, like to do that. He wrote a piece uh, before Monday's game, Monday night's game against Kansas City, about Jock Peterson and Devontae Adams being on the same high school football team and actually Jock Peterson being ahead of him. For those that don't know, Jock Peterson plays baseball. <laughs> right? So uh, that was a really good piece, and he, I think he labeled it uh, pregame reading or something. It was, it was some good stuff he put out on ESPN.com. Also talked about a conversation he had with Josh Jacobs in the locker room following Monday night's game where Josh Jacobs, Jacobs basically said he put it on him that they lost. And on that two-point conversion, he felt like he should have reached out and uh, tried to get the ball over the goal line, extended over the goal line. And Josh Jacobs said that the coaching staff tells him don't try to extend the ball over the goal line. And that's something that goes back to New England. Bill Belichick has always said that don't try to extend the ball because as well, Raider Nation, we all know very well, we've seen Derek Carr do it multiple times. You extend that ball, it gets knocked out of your hands, turns into a fumble, it goes out of the end zone, it's a touchback, and it's a turnover. So that's what you know the coaching staff is saying, don't do, don't do, don't do. But he said at that point, at that stage of the game, I probably should have just reached out and tried to get the ball over the goal line because what do I have to lose at that point, right? It's a two-point conversion. If you get it over the goal line, you're, that's great. You get the two points. If you don't and it turns into a turnover, it doesn't matter. It's a two-point conversion. So uh, some really good stuff right there. So we'll talk all things Raiders with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Uh, does a fantastic job. That's coming up at 2.30 at 3 o'clock. Uh, Damon, we got to check in with Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, talk all things UNLV, but also want to talk about Josh Jacobs. She's been covering Josh Jacobs since uh, Alabama, and I noticed multiple times during the game on Monday, she was tweeting out that Josh Jacobs is running with something to prove. So I know that she's had multiple conversations with Josh, Josh and I want to make sure that uh, she gets gets that that part of the conversation into the show as well. So we'll talk all things UNLV Rebels as they're uh, looking to bounce back after that. Man, that beat down. I don't even know what to call it, Damon. That was that was rough. I mean, even you as a UNLV uh, alum, you have to know that was rough. You know, just a small setback for the for the program. Coach Royals, you know, building something special there. You know, I'm not saying he's not building something special, but that was bad. 
That was bad. I got to, I got to the house after Buffalo Wild Wings, sat in front of the TV. I was all fired up. I was like, man, wife, come sit down, man. UNLV, they're doing some things. I know they're underdogs <laughs> in this game, but they're doing some things. And so then about halftime, the wife looked at me and goes, when is UNLV going to do some things? <laughs> oh, they had them right where they wanted them at halftime. <laughs> That's what I texted you. I was like, what's going on? You're like, the comeback's going to be epic. And I said, okay. And I never texted you back. I wasn't one of those that kept rubbing it in because I really, I didn't want to be that guy. Like I said, I got multiple texts that night too. I know you did. It's always funny how many people will text you out of nowhere that you ain't heard from in a long time when something's not going right. Like all of a sudden, I had about eight or nine people from Central Texas on Monday night text me. I was like, what happened to your Raiders? I was like, damn, I don't even have your number <laughs> saved. All I see is a 254. You know, so it's, it's so funny how people conveniently remember who you are when, uh, when they have an opportunity to talk a little bit of trash. So I wasn't going to be that guy. But I did feel for you, man. When I saw UNLV, the way they were losing on Friday night to San Jose State, I thought, damn, DeMond's doing bad. You know those games where they say, hey, just throw the tape away, just like erase it? Yeah. You can't because the next team, you know what their specialty is? Running the ball as well. Right. Well, they, they're so different too, right? Air Force is so different to what you are going to see throughout the rest of the Mountain West. I mean, it's not – that's the one thing that always tripped me up about those kind of teams, even, you know, covering high school football. There is a certain way, you know, you always see the spread offense, this and that. Okay, you can prepare for that. But when a team comes in and they do something different, you're always like, wait a minute, hold on. They ain't got a lot of time to prepare for them. So now after taking that beat down and Air Force coming in for homecoming, it's like, wait a minute, can they recover in time? So this and no Doug Brumfield. Sorry, Damon. I'm not trying to pile on. It's not looking good. I'll say that too. We no, can keep going. We can no, move on. No, no, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it pushing. Uh, so Paloma is gonna join us at three o'clock to talk UNLV. She'll talk some Josh Jacobs, talk some Raiders, talk everything going on here in the Las Vegas uh, Valley at three thirty. Daniel Lust, sports attorney, co-host of the uh, Con Detrimental Detrimental Podcast. Uh, he talks all things uh, law. And so, obviously, we're going to have him on to talk about the whole Devontae Adams situation. Uh, we found out that he got charged. It's a misdemeanor. It's really not a big deal. I've been saying that ever since the whole push happened on Monday night with the the cameraman. I don't think it's a big deal. But now, all of a sudden, as quick as le- quickly as it happened, I mean, it's Wednesday, right? It's only Wednesday, and all of a sudden, he's been charged uh, with a misdemeanor. So, again, I think that it's going to end up being a big fine potentially a suspension by the NFL. I mean, that's that has something to do with the, the league, right? They're going to come up with their own rules because that's what they do. But legally, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. But we'll ask Daniel Lust what his thoughts are. So uh, the sports attorney, he'll join us at 3.30. He joins us. It's so funny. Every time I reach out to him, I feel bad because I'm like, man, we're always talking about something legal, right? And I feel I feel bad because I feel like that's the only time I really talk to him. So I told him that at some point, we're going to you know talk about something else that's not just legalities. But again, that's his specialty. So he'll join the show coming up at 3.30. Then at 4 o'clock, Aaron Wilson, Pro Football Network. Uh, he was on the show with us a couple weeks ago. A really good breakdown. He has really good sources in the NFL. And he's going to join us to talk about the roughing the passer penalties, how the league is protecting the quarterbacks, and how they could just come to a middle even. Right? That's all I ask for. Like, you can't protect the quarterback so much where it's almost like they're in bubble wrap. But I get it. You have to protect the quarterback so you take care of your product. So how do you come up with a middle even? How do you make it so it's not terrible? Like the Tom Brady sack, that was that was awful. Grady Jarrett definitely sacked him, didn't rough him, but they get called for a penalty. Uh, I'll say again, the Chris Jones penalty that was called when he sacked Derek Carr and stripped the ball from him, that was a bad call. But how do they do? How do they protect those quarterbacks? But at the same time, don't damage the product because that's what they're doing. I mean, those were just two terrible calls. 
and they're over they're overcorrecting the issue that they had with Tua. So uh, he's going to join us to talk about that. He'll talk about all things going on in the NFL. Uh, we'll talk about the Devontae Adams situation as far as the NFL side of things, what he's hearing as far as uh, potential suspension, if that's going to happen. And look, I think a suspension is kind of silly. I really do. I don't think it was that serious. But at the same time, I get it. And the optics could look like it was that serious, right? And it depends on what you're looking at, what camera view you're looking at. I mean, there's so many different things to take into uh, consideration when you're looking at the Devontae Adams situation. I think that the NFL, this is just my gut feeling. I have no problem putting it out there. I think the NFL is going to err on the side of caution and say, you know what, we're going to suspend him for one game. That's what I think is going to happen. I, I don't hope that that happens. You know, I want to see him out there against the Houston Texans when uh, when the, the Raiders get back to playing on, uh, on in week seven. But that's just what I think is going to happen. Do you have any kind of gut feeling on what you think is going to potentially happen with this situation with the, with the NFL? Not on the legal side, because that I have no clue. After listening to Rich Eisen today, I was thinking, hey, maybe just a fine, $100,000. Who cares about how much the fine is going to be? Because we all know that Devontae Adams can afford it, $130 million. But when Rich Eisen was speaking, he's like, you can't do that. The league has to be able to say to their partners, even if this guy's a freelance um, photographer or whoever that would be a big Mm -hmm. shot who's got access to the field. They've got to say to them, hey, a player can't just get mad and maybe take it out on you. And it's just maybe that's the league say the the pushback of, hey, we're protecting our partners. But from the video side, like I'm one of those people who didn't look too bad. It was a right. push. He got picked right back up. But I feel like if the league wants to say that, if that's their sticking point right. of, hey, you, you always got to go do with the hypotheticals in these situations. This time, it's a random freelance photographer. Next time, it could be Q Myers who has his field access. Right. And we just have to set a precedent for, hey, you can't put you can't push the lowest guy and you can't push the guy that you see every day on NFL right. Network if he happened to be in your way as well. Right. No, I mean, you bring up a good point. That's why I don't really know what they're going to do. My gut feeling says that they're going to just ultimately say, hey, we're going to suspend him for one game, even though I think that that's silly. Mm-hmm. But I do. I agree with you that they're going to do something just because they need to like I said send kind of send a message of hey this is not okay right so we'll see uh you know when we saw the we saw like the court documents tweeted out today uh seeing his his Danville California address on there that was all bad you know Devontae Adams could have a, a big argument on that like hey you can't you can't put that information out there on the internet they did that was out there. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of different angles to look at it. So we'll, we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to Daniel Luss at 3.30 about the, the legal side of things, but we'll talk to Aaron Wilson at 4 o'clock about the NFL side of things. So we'll we'll really get it all figured out. We'll try to, you know, come to some kind of conclusion. And who knows, maybe there'll be some kind of ruling before the show's over. And so <laughs> we'll, we'll get to our conclusion and then say, oh, well, wait, hold on. This is just what has been ruled down uh, from. This is coming down from Adam Schefter. This is coming down from Ian Rappaport or whatever the case may be. So uh, got a lot to get to on today's show, Paul. Gutierrez at 2.30, Paloma Villacana at 3, Daniel Lust 3.30, Aaron Wilson at 4, and of course we want to hear from you throughout the course of the show, 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R, that's our text line. Uh, both are very, very active, and we're going to be active with them both today. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now, what I was so excited about is what I heard from head coach Josh McDaniels. And look, I was at the media session on Tuesday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. I just sat back and I listened. I didn't ask any questions, but I listened to everything he had to say. And then I listened to it again. And then last night, as soon as the show was over, I listened some more. And when I listened the third time, all of a sudden, something caught my attention about the bye week. 
And that's what the Raiders are, are in right now. They're in the bye week. There is no game on Sunday. There is no game on Monday. They don't play till the following week when the Houston Texans come to town. So I found what head coach Josh McDaniels had to say about the bye week very interesting and thought that's going to be a really good topic on the show. Now, this is not the whole soundbite. I cut it down to about 20 seconds, 22 seconds, or whatever the case may be, because it was about a minute 30. And I don't want to get the meat of it lost in Josh McDaniels, like setting it up and then closing it out. I just want you to hear the main part of it, basically the steak. I don't need the side dishes. I just want the steak here. So here's head coach Josh McDaniels talking about what the Raiders need to do during the bye week. You take this short period of time and you try to evaluate, um, you know, what are we doing well? Let's keep doing that. What are we not doing well enough that we have to keep doing? And then we have to try to find a solution and see if we can make some progress and improve those things. And then I think there's always a bucket where you say, what are we not doing well enough that maybe we don't need to do anymore? There it goes right there. Short and sweet. Like I said, about 20 seconds on what the Raiders need to do during the bye week. So with that response from head coach Joshua Daniels, he basically said, got to figure out what we do really well. Keep doing it. What are they not doing really well that they need to continue to work on and improve on because they have to? And then what are they not doing well that they just say need to say, you know what, the hell with this. This is not going to work and, and scrap it. So Raider Nation, I ask you, I throw it out there to you. I know a lot of folks like to chime in on the show and be part of the show and give their feedback. And I know that Raider Nation is very smart when it comes to football in general. I know Raider Nation knows what they're talking about when they're looking at their team. So I ask you, 702-365-9200 and also the text line at 69187 keyword R&R. Light it up. Three questions. They don't have to be super long details. You don't have to give me a sermon, right? You don't have to give me five minutes. But just let me know the answer to the three questions. What do the Raiders do well? What are they not doing well enough but they need to keep working on? And what do they need to look at and say, the hell with that, we can't do that. It's that simple. It's that simple. I'll tell you myself, as I was writing notes in the office before we came in here, obviously we know they run the ball really well. The offensive line is really good at blocking for the run game. They're not very good at running or at blocking when it comes to the pass game, especially when they're trying to get a chunk play. But for me, what they do really well is they run the ball. And I was trying to come up with more that they do really well, but DeMond, correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't seen anything through five weeks that they do really well outside of run the ball. That's the only thing. It I mean, is. I guess I guess you could say that the special teams unit, as far as kicking field goals and punting, but the coverage unit's not there, so I can't even put special teams in there. I can say Daniel Carlson makes field goals really well. You know, he didn't have an opportunity to do it on Monday night uh, when 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 it mattered the most at the end. But as far as I'm concerned, what the Raiders do really well that we know for a fact that nobody could deny is they run the ball really well. What do they do? Okay. Not well enough, but you know they need to work on. I think it goes with what I just said about the pass protection. They got to be able to pass protect when they're trying to take some chunk plays. Like Derek Carr can get the ball out of his hand quick. You know, if it's just those little quick hitters, boom, 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 cool. No problem. But when they're looking to make that big play, like they did a couple times with Devontae Adams, once Derek Carr had to step up, the other time he had a really good opportunity when it came to the play action. So I guess you could put that, let's just say play action. That's what they don't do, in my opinion. They do okay, but they need to work to get better is play-action pass. I think that that's got to improve, but that goes back to the offensive line. And what is it that they need to just scrap? That's a good question, right? What is it that you've seen that you're like, nope, just can't do it? And honestly, I think this is going to be a weird answer, 
I think it's the pass-first approach and just feed Devontae. I think what they've learned through five weeks, at least what I've learned, I think Devontae is more effective when they just let the ball come to him and the game come to him organically instead of just trying to pepper him with the ball. Boom, 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 boom. I don't think that that works out that well. We saw it week one. We've seen it attempted before, but I, I just think that they've got to let the game come to him. So I think that the whole feed, 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 feed Devontae is probably not a good idea. But that's just me. That's why we throw it out there, the discussion. So when you look at it, Damon, I want to know from you, what do they do well? What do they do not well enough, but they have to work on, they have to get better at, and what do they have to throw away, in your opinion? Well, we're going, we're going to be in agreement on running the ball. That is one I think the, everybody's the going to agree on that. Of this team that we're if there. you don't agree on that, then you can just uh, remove yourself from the discussion because we all know they run the ball well. And then it's going to be for part two on what do they need to do well, improve on that they're not doing well enough. Execution in the red zone on offense. There you go. I don't know how that can be fixed. I I, I feel like it's one of those things that you can't just fix by practicing those plays a little bit mm-hmm. more. I do think that that's going to take game reps, but it still needs to be addressed because you need to be able to score in the red zone because one of the deciding factors of this game, I think Tashawn put out the stat of this was the first team that you know this many touchdowns, this many field goals, no turnovers, right? Few, fewer than two punts, right? And you still and you lose. Still lost. First team in the NFL history. But it's because they kicked field goals, whereas the Kansas City Chiefs, they scored touchdowns when they needed to. And we talked about that going into the game. I said that the Chiefs were number one in the red zone in scoring, and the Raiders were number two. The problem is the Raiders score field goals instead of touchdowns. Do you know that that uh, Daniel Carlson leads the league in scoring? Already? Yes. Wow. He's at, 53, he's at 53 points. I mean, just sit on that for a minute. You're looking at a 1-4 record. Daniel Carlson leads the league in scoring. Tells you a lot. And then the thing that they just need to scrap. That's what I'm interested in. The red zone defense. Whatever they're doing now after mm-hmm. this Kansas City Chiefs game, just scrap it. I do think that it needs to be an overhaul of the system. If a team has, hey, they have that star premier player at receiver, tight end, double them, bracket them. I don't care what the coverage needs to be, but it's inexcusable for one player that you know is the best receiving threat on the team to have four touchdowns. So whatever the team needs to do in that aspect, that regard, to fix it, like whatever they are doing in the red zone defense, just scrap it because it's obviously not working. It worked against Travis Kelsey. Between the 20s, right? Yeah, I mean, it so, slowed them down. And then when it got to the red zone, to your point, it didn't work. So whatever they were doing for that Chiefs game, just, hey, whatever that was, we're just not going to do that anymore. Because obviously it didn't work. I can I can, I can, can understand that one. I, I like that. And I think that that's going to be the real interesting part. I think that Raider Nation is going to have a lot of different answers. It was hard for me to come up with something that they needed to come up, you know, stop doing. Because they haven't done anything outside of running the ball that was, you know, that, that just stood out in my opinion, that was so much. But that's why I think that the 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 need to just, okay, we're going to feed Devontae Adams, we're going to make him, uh, you know, have 10 catches every game, this and that, which they have, they've only done once, in my opinion. They did it at the very first game against the Chargers, and that was really it. I think they realized then that, yeah, that's not that's not going to work. And once they found the, their identity, which is the run game, I think they realized, hey, you, using Devontae Adams, similar to how he was used in Green Bay when it was a lot of the run game, a lot of the running backs, but Devontae Adams was still a big factor. I think that that made a whole lot more sense. But they obviously, you know, going to the what do they not do great, but they need to continue to do is figure out how to use all their weapons offensively. How to, how to get all their weapons involved and how to take advantage of all the talent that they have. That's that's to my in my opinion that's something that's a, a big factor as well. So I think that we'll get some really good answers, 
We'll ask our guests that we have on the show as well, including Paul Gutierrez, who's going to join us from uh, ESPN at 2.30. But we'd like to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Also, our text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Three questions. It doesn't have to be, like I said, don't give me a sermon. Just give me your quick answers. What do the Raiders do well? What are they not doing well enough, but they have to keep working on to improve? And what do they need to scrap and say no more? Who we got up first? Houston and L.A. Houston and L.A., welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, hey, what's up, Q, man? I'm I'm pretty down, bro. I can't even lie, man. Like, um, all right, make long story short, we won it four. Sucks, whack, got to get better. But going to your question, running the ball, of course, man. You know, just like you guys said, we do good at that. Uh, what what we don't do good, man, is, is the middle of the field, man. And we've been doing I'm I'm talking like, dude, since like, Man, I can remember late nineties. It's like we we had problems with linebackers in the middle. Everybody taking advantage of us because the middle of the field, they would just throw to the tight end just just for the easy twelve, easy whatever. And then um, the 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 uh, third part of it, I kind of forgot that that one. But um, j- just those two, man. But one of the main things I call for besides that too, and I'm not just gonna be like that because I'm I'm normally not really like that, man. But Bro, I've been through the immaculate deception. I've been through the tuck rule. I've been through the index card. Man, these dogs, now this. Like, it was all funny games and stuff. And I was laughing. I ain't going to lie. When it it came to the Raiders finally getting some love on the um, rule with Carr, you know, because that was obvious. He obviously fumbled. It was a great sack. And normally those calls go against us. I was like, dude, the Raiders are finally getting some calls. I can't believe this. But they made doggone sure that second half they was going to make up for every single call that they barely gave us that they never give us. And when it comes down to that, bro, I mean, stuff like that, man, it makes me like, wait, not even out of all the years I've been watching football, bro, it makes me not, not even trip off, off of like, I know I'm going to still watch it, but, but, but it's gonna make, it makes me like, wait, not even want to tune in as tough uh, uh, to these refs get some discipline. Just like that fool with the index card, he had a smirk on his face when he was doing it, man, because he know he knew that he wasn't going to have too much of penalty besides, like, not being able to judge, to be a ref on a, on a, on a Raider game next time or, or, or some BS like that. They need to be more stern and more real when it comes to these refs, dude, or people going to start thinking that the game is stay rigged like some of, them, some of them think automatically all day anyway, especially when it comes to silver black. We know Al Davis sued, sued him. We knew Al Davis got over. Dude, all that's over, man. Just let people ball, dude. That's what I don't like is when people like, like the rest want to steal the, steal the high, steal, steal, steal the show, man, and just take over. If my Raiders would have got scrapped up or beat down just because the Chiefs were a better team, I would have been able to, uh, to accept that, man a lot better as opposed to knowing what goes into it when my Raiders get these BS calls, bro. And and, and these refs, I'm telling you, man, the second half, it, it, was, it was all about them. It was all about right. the Chiefs. Well, 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 let's try to make up and do what we can to accommodate them. I'm going to make it quick and I'm done. But at the same time, they they need something to where, you know, your paycheck is affected, something to where to where they can – yeah, uh, uh, have better perception, man, and 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 like you know, it it, it ain't cool. I'm sick of it. Got you. Th- hey, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. Aaron Wilson from Pro Football Network will join us at four o'clock. We're going to talk just about that. 
We're going to talk all things official. So uh, make sure you're tuned in then, and we'll see what Aaron Wilson, who's very well dialed in on everything NFL, got a lot of sources across the league, what he has to say about the officiating and how it gets better moving forward. Let's talk to Raider Dave in Denver. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. How's it going? Boy, that brother just laid it all out perfect, man. I totally... Oh, man, do we lose you? Stop putting, oh, there he is. Uh, I need to. I need. To, I think the Raiders need to stop putting two receivers in the same area. Okay. I think they do need to continue to do the run, but they need to improve on screen plays. That's definitely uh, some place that I think they can wound people. I haven't been looking so forward for Zeus to get some screen play and run 60 yards down the field, and it just hadn't happened yet. I don't understand why. So I think that's something they need to work on. Hey, there's one thing that nobody is talking about with this Devontae Williams deal. Yes, he shouldn't have pushed him. Yes, that guy was not supposed to be in that area. But nobody on any radio for the last four days has said anything, or three days, has said anything about the security that is supposed to be there to protect the players when they're going down through that tunnel. They are not to allow anybody across there. I know because I work on the field. So I don't understand why nobody has given any culpability to security there, which is exactly their job to take care of that. There was culpability in all three ways, and I don't want uh, Devontae Adams, who has a flawless record outside the, the gridiron, to go ahead and, and become a poster boy for this. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, he probably should have just went ahead and picked him back up right then, but the guy's going to run across in front of you. What do you expect somebody to do? Man, that happens at the grocery store. I stick my arm out, too. Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And yeah, the thing about it is, and Vinny talked about the security and how he's been stopped multiple times when he's on the field like that. The thing about it is that I think what's going to hurt him the most, and I agree with you, Devontae Adams, I think is a great dude. I've said it multiple times. um, And I think that many people have talked about security on the field. Uh, But what we've said is when he apologized in the locker room and when he put a tweet out on Twitter that, that was an apology, that might come back to hurt him. Because he's admitting that he did something wrong, right? I mean that that was, and I'm not saying it's right. Look, don't shoot the weather, the weatherman. I'm just I'm just telling you what we're talking about. I'm not. I don't. I think Devontae Adams is a great dude. I just think that something's going to happen, and my gut feeling tells me he's going to be suspended a game. That's just my gut feeling. It it might not happen that way. I hope it doesn't happen that way. Hopefully, it's just a fine. It's thrown out. And it's over. That's why I haven't really made a big deal about it until today. Another reason I really didn't talk about it. Hell, we didn't even talk about it yesterday on the show. Because the game is what mattered to me. Nothing. I didn't. I didn't even want to talk about it until I saw the fact that he got charged. Obviously, they're moving full full steam ahead in Kansas City. Thank you for the call, um, Raider Convert, right here in town. What's on your mind? Hey, Q. That uh, last caller touched on what I wanted to talk about when he mentioned screenplays. Uh, I'm a convert from Steeler Nation over to Raider Nation, and. Uh, Tom Brady's ripped out uh, my heart and, and stomped on it and spit on it more than any human uh, in history. And, and you know, the, the, the genius behind Tom Brady and I assume Josh McDaniel's offense was misdirection. They fool you. They trick you. And I, a hundred times uh, I could see this Blitzberg unleashing the, the, the blitz on, uh, on Brady and he would just dink the little screenplay and they'd run it for 35 yards. So I, I don't get the feeling that uh, – that uh, Carr is bought into that. I think he keeps trying to pound a pound a square peg in a round hole. He keeps trying to force it. You have to take what the defense gives you, and then, and then the whole key to offense is misdirection. You have to fool the defense, and I don't think they're trying to do that. I think they're trying to outplay the defense, you know, because they've got these shiny toys 
But that still doesn't work. You still need the misdirection. You still need to fool the defense uh, to really uh, to have sustainable success. All right, great call, man. Thank you so much. And, yeah, more of the screenplay, uh, screen, screen pass, I can see that. I think that would be a big deal, right? And I think that Derek Carr has bought into it. I mean, you saw it successfully uh, operated on, on Monday with uh, Josh Jacobs, even though it was a little bit of a high pass. Josh Jacobs made his made it made it work and came up with a big play. Uh, I think that they're all in on it. I just don't think it gets called all the time, right? And, but it's still been called more than, than we saw in the past. In the past, we didn't see it called at all. And then you wonder where it was. I think that they're... They're dedicated to it. I just don't think that they call it all the time just for the sake of not letting it be so obvious that it's coming. 228 is the time. When we come back, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. He'll join the show. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You take this short period of time and you try to evaluate, um, you know, what are we doing well? Let's keep doing that. What are we not doing well enough that we have to keep doing? And then we have to try to find a solution and see if we can make some progress and improve those things. And then I think there's always a bucket where you say, what are we not doing well enough that maybe we don't need to do anymore? Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. You heard head coach Josh McDaniels talking about the bye week and what the Raiders need to do. Focus in on what you do well. Figure out what you don't do well, but you got to continue to work on it and get better at and then see what you don't do that you just need to scrap. That's the question that we ask you today. What do the Raiders do well, in your opinion? What are they not doing well enough? They have to keep working on it, though. And then what do they just need to get rid of? Again, uh, 69187, keyword R&R. That is our text line. Of course, our phone line when we don't have a guest is 702-365-9200. But right now, we do have one of my favorite guests. That's Paul Gutierrez from ESPN at P. Gutierrez ESPN on Twitter. And, Paul, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I'll start with you. What have you identified? You were at that media <laughs> session on Tuesday with the Raiders, and Josh McDaniel said we got to identify we do well. So what do they do well? What do they not do well enough that they got to keep working on? And what do they need to scrap? I'm going to take uh, some low-hanging fruit here, Q, and I'm going to say they jump out to pretty good leads fairly well, so they need to keep doing that, and they got to stop blowing leads. 20 to nothing to the yeah. Cardinals, 17 to nothing in Kansas City. And, you know, I know that's a very uh, macro view of the whole situation. There's obviously some micro things that need to happen there, but I think that's where you start. You start looking at, okay, we're getting off to decent enough starts here. We can play with anybody. Um, you know, you look up and down the roster here and, and the stats where they go, I mean, Josh Jacobs is the third in rushing. Uh, Max Crosby tied for the league lead in sacks. Daniel Carlson leads the league in scoring. Devontae Adams is tied for second in receiving touchdowns. And you're going, okay, that's nice. What's their record? One in four? That doesn't make any sense. To me, and I had this conversation with Josh Dubow of Associated Press, who you know, is uh, probably the favorite media member of Derek Carr anyway, <laughs> based on that hug that he got. And right. we see the stats that he puts up. But you know, my first year on the beat was Josh's first year on the beat as well, back in 2005. And this team... And the way things are going, it's very reminiscent of that 2005 team. It was a team that had some talented players and skill positions all over the place. And they went all in, getting the big receiver, Randy Moss, and it just didn't work out. On that team, you had a 1,000-yard receiver in Moss. You had a 1,000-yard running back in Lamont Jordan. You had a quarterback who was one game away from from throwing for 4,000 yards. You had a guy who led the league in sacks. uh, And Derek Burgess had 16 sacks. And that team went 4-12. and I'm not mm. saying this team's going 4-12, and 12, but there are a lot of parallels between that team and this team right now because 
there's not one specific thing you can put your finger on other than an overarching, yeah, they need to continue to build big leads, but they got to they got to stop blowing them too and just find some consistency. That's that's the number one thing for me. And that's why we ask you the questions. That was a great breakdown right there. Again, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So what do you think is the biggest disconnect? How come this team, in your opinion, can't close things out? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because it kind of reminds me a little bit about when John Gruden, when, when the offense was rolling. I mean, when he had his first 12 to 15 plays scripted, that offense was a machine. And you're kind of seeing that happen now as well with the offense. They're, they're getting comfortable with each other. Uh, you know, the thing that I thought was most interesting a couple of weeks ago was both Derek and, and Devontae and even Josh McDaniels to a degree talking about how he still wasn't yet. Yeah, he was used to throwing to Devontae, but he wasn't used to having his number one target covered in different ways, different coverages, seeing different coverages. So there's, we all knew that there was going to be some sort of acclimation period anyways, but that has to, you know, you got to be done with that. And I don't know if the buy comes at a good time, a bad time. It's, it's very early for the season. But they have to use that time to continue to get acclimated with each other, continue to grow with each other. Darren Waller missing most of that game doesn't help, um, but it does help that they have a bye, so you can get that hamstring right if possible. So that, to me, is what the biggest thing is. they just got to continue to get comfortable with each other because I think I was one of the few, at least in the, in the offseason, the preseason, that said, yeah, like, it's not as simple as just plugging things in and going. I mean, this is a mm-hmm. new system. These are new players that are learning a new system. So... You know, I, I, it's very interesting to see all these on, on paper, all these all pros, these Pro Bowl type players um, having, having, you know, the disconnect. And that disconnect is they still are not comfortable with each other. And if you want to find a microcosm of that, it's Hunter Renfro, a Pro Bowler, and Devontae Adams, a, an all pro, running into each other on the final play of the game. Right. And, you know, uh, Hunter Renfro, and I know he missed, you know, some time because of the the concussion, but he hasn't seemed like he's been 100% comfortable at all this year. And I don't know if it's one of those things where they said stop freelancing your routes and you have to run them precise. And so he's a little bit, he's thinking too much. Uh, what have you seen from Hunter in a, in a limited amount of snaps, but what have you seen from him so far this year? Well, it's interesting because the bar was so high for him because he caught over 100 balls last year, right? But a lot of that was because Darren Waller was out for six or seven games. So he became the, the security blanket for Derek. And, and you know, m- one of my favorite tweets uh, to always do, or, or at least you can count on me doing it, is on third and, third and Renfro, third and Renfro. Mm-hmm. And you haven't really seen a lot of that. And I tweeted that once or twice during the game the other night, and a lot of people responded and said, that's the tweet I want to see. That's what I like to see, you know. But you're right. He just doesn't seem as comfortable. And, and you know, it's not just him. It's, it's Derek. It's everybody else that's on the field. It, it's, it, it, it kind of goes back to the story, honestly, Q, that I wrote over the weekend and, and it posted on Monday about uh, Jock uh, Peterson <laughs> yeah. with the San Francisco Giants and Devontae being high school teammates. And the high school coach tell me, you know, they were teammates for one year in 2009 at Palo Alto High School. And you know, Jock was wide receiver one, Devontae was wide receiver two. And it was simply because it was, it was Devontae's first year ever playing organized football ever since eighth grade he had broken an arm and didn't want to play anymore then he played as a junior and the high school coach told me at the time he said well basically Devonte at that time knew what his his role was but he didn't know what everybody else's role was that changed quickly now yeah i think you're seeing it on a different level in the pros with josh mcdaniel system you got guys that know what their role is but they're still trying to figure out what everybody else's role is and how they fit into that scheme overall that's a great breakdown right there we're talking with paul gutierrez from espn here on radio nation radio 920 and necessary roughness demand's got one for you yeah, Paul, I know that Josh Jacobs, he's been running the ball very efficiently, but do you think in that Chiefs game, I mean, he's coming off back-to-back career highs, that they still didn't run him enough against the Chiefs? 
it depends upon, you know, define enough because they, they get the lead and they're still running. So it, it's tough. When you fall behind is generally when you, you abandon the run game, right? Well, they never fell so far behind that they had to. Um, you know, they, they, they gave the ball to him for the two-point conversion. And I had asked him after the game what his feelings were on going for two, and he loved it because it showed a pride. And then he kind of stopped himself, and that's when he said he actually blamed himself because he felt he could have broken the plane of the, of the goal line by reaching the ball out. But then he stopped himself, and again, this spoke volumes to me where he said, but they harp on us to not reach the ball out mm-hmm. because you risk a turnover. But then he stopped himself again. He goes, but in that situation, it wouldn't have mattered if I turned the ball over because it was a two-point conversion. So these guys are thinking a lot. And I'm not going to say they're, they're thinking too much. I'm not saying that they're in their heads with the coaching and the philosophy and the system. But it is something to, to watch. And it goes back to Q's first question, I believe, is what do they need to do better and what do they need to stop doing? They need to stop overthinking things and just play. That's a good point. We say it all the time. A thinking man is a slow man. And I saw that, that piece that you put out and, and that little nugget you had with Josh Jacobs. What does that tell you about him, though, the man himself, where he, to me, has taken on so much of a leadership role and follow me, I'll get it done, I'll make sure we, I take care of the business, and you see how hard he's been running. Just what has this team and even this season in particular for Josh Jacobs meant? meant and what have you seen from him? Uh, he's a man uh, trying to get a new contract, no doubt. You know, and that, I'm not. That, there's no shame in that game. I At mean, all. he yeah. wants the new contract, and he won't say it on the record. There were a few of us that heard him say it on the practice field, you know, during training camp. Mm-hmm. But again, one of those things where it, it's obvious, and I, he'll never say that he felt, uh, you know, disrespected or anything like that. But but he also had to earn it, you know. And and I believe it was early in the offseason where he said, you know what. Whether he got the option or not, he knew he was supposed to come back, so he had to fulfill his, his, his part of the contract. And that's one thing that I've always admired and liked about Josh since his rookie year is he just wants to play. He just wants the ball in his hands. And anybody that's in the pros and, and worth their salt, they always want the ball in their hands at the end anyway. So he literally, and I tweeted this during the game, he was running like a man possessed. And that offensive line, actually, I think, deserves a lot of credit too, especially for all the question marks around that thing. And we've seen different 10 different uh, – combination so far of that offensive line, but maybe they finally figured it out. They were blowing up with some huge holes for him at different times during that game. Now, once he gets to that second level, that's where his, his field vision takes over and he's t- making cuts. It's like, whoa, how did he see that? Where's he going? So that to me is just a guy that wants that 50 year contract, but at the same time, it's just playing for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. And when he was done speaking to the, to the, to the media horde in the locker room, I kind of stood, stayed by him and talked to him a little bit afterwards too. And just, you could just feel the frustration but also, he didn't leave anything on the field either. So it's, it's, it's one of those interesting things to, to watch the rest of the year because, you know, yes, he wants a new contract, but maybe he prizes him out of the Raiders' plans going forward. Who knows? It's going to be real interesting to watch. Right. No, he, he wants to win, too. You just know that he wants to win games, yeah. and he wants to be a major part of it, and, and he should be, right? Again, we're talking with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So, Paul, there's always a time in the in the press box. When we're at Allegiant Stadium. Sometimes I'll look over at you or I'll look over at Cassie, and all of a sudden it's, it's almost like you're starting to get that feeling. So on Monday night while you're there in Kansas City, at what point did you get the feeling that this game was starting to slip away from the Raiders? Uh, when they kicked a field goal instead of went for it uh, to go up 17 nothing, <laughs> You cannot trade field goals with Patrick Mahomes, regardless of what's going to happen. Yeah, they're up 17 nothing, But as soon as the Chiefs scored that first touchdown, and then you felt, okay, here we go. And we're in an enclosed press box at, at Arrowhead. But you can feel the vibe of the crowd because the Raiders really came out there and they punched them in the mouth and they didn't know what to do. And the defense was flying. Chandler Jones was two shoestrings away from a couple of sacks. 
um, and showing up on the stat sheet finally. So, you know, they had him on the ropes, but then as soon as they, it was almost like when they, instead of going for it there and, and kicking the field goal, they had gone for it and gone down and scored another touchdown to go up three touchdowns at that point. You know, that would have said a lot to me, but, but um, yeah, slipping away, probably not until they didn't get the two-point conversion at okay. the very end. Because even then, they still got the ball back. Right. So it was one of those things where I'm sitting there and I'm writing two different stories for the umpteenth game in a row. <laughs> Raiders win, Raiders lose, because you just don't know until the final gun. And even when they're up 17 nothing, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, here's the score, they're going to score here. I'm like, oh, we're looking at overtime again. But then once the Chiefs went for two, nope, that's not happening. Then the Raiders come out, nope, that's not happening either. So it's just one of those things covering this team, man. You've been around long enough, too, to figure mm-hmm. it out. That nothing matters. It's like the NBA. Nothing matters until the last two minutes of the game. <laughs> and when it comes to this defense, you mentioned it earlier about how they got to stop, you know, letting the lead slip away because we know that this team can come out offensively and get off to a hot start. But the defense, you know, they almost shut out the Chiefs in the first half, did it to the Arizona yeah. Cardinals. So what have you been seeing from this defense that just allows those second half collapses and just not contain, you know, the, the offenses the way they do in one half and not the other? Well, you're talking about a different animal. You're talking about a unicorn with Patrick Mahomes anyway. You're never going to, you know, really shut him out. You can maybe, you know, contain him, so to speak. You know where that saying goes, you never, you know, you're not going to control, <laughs> right. you can contain. So when it comes to that, the defense, I mean, you're seeing the defense plays so much faster, so much quicker, so much more reaction when uh, Denzel Perriman's out there in the middle of it all. You see the difference in the defense. When you see some juice from Chandler Jones and occupying blockers on the other side, so that's going to free up Max, or Max occupying two, so that's going to free up Chandler. You see that. Uh, the energy that's coming from from uh, Nate Hobbs, you know, as a cornerback. And, and, you know, you see those things that are positive. And it's just a matter of being able to maintain those. And, the, and really the way to maintain those is to get turnovers and get some takeaways. And that's what I, another thing they need to get better at, I think, in the, in, when they come back from the bye is working on that. Now, not at this, not at the expense of Jonathan Abram trying to strip the guy and the guy rumbles down for another 15, 20 yards. Right. Tackle the guy, take him down to the ground. But you need to get that because those are the plays that really – get a defense not only fired up, but get you off the field, and you're not as wasted, uh, tired at the end of games anyway. Paul, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about the big elephant in the room, the Devontae Adams situation. Today he was formally charged with a city ordinance violation, so it's a little bit lesser charged than even a state misdemeanor, but uh, assault charges on the cameraman that he pushed. I didn't think it was a big deal, but now that all of a sudden there's a charge, uh, what, are your, what are your ultimate thoughts? What do you think the league's going to do for Devontae? Yeah, I mean, I... It's interesting because uh, the guy that, that was pushed was uh, obviously apparently a, a ESPN um, oh. freelancer. So I can't really go right. too much I got that you. I got you. <laughs> but but at the same time, I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know, if that was me, I'd probably want um, a signed jersey and a picture, and we're we're good. But right. you know, I don't know. Right. I don't know. The guy was physically injured and physically hurt. Okay, we'll see. But it, it's just not a good look. And, and from Devontae, I mean, I was standing right in front of Devontae at his locker when he addressed it and brought it up himself. Um, and you know. Again, the heat of the moment, coming off the field in that tunnel, not making excuses for anybody because two things can be true at the same time. He shouldn't have pushed him, but it's kind of understandable in that situation, in that tunnel, where at halftime the Raider players were getting stuff thrown at them, uh, beers and bottles. And I, I looked at it, I saw it myself, but I also saw a couple of Raider players blowing kisses to the crowd as they're walking off at halftime too, mm-hmm. uh, kind of egging them on. So um, how that guy was allowed to run across there, the security, where was security to clear the opening for the players to go in after such a hard fought game? I don't know. There's a lot of blame to go around, but to me, the biggest thing is after Devontae did that, him not turning and helping pick the guy up is, is that, that to me is kind of the, 
the, the, the bad scene, so to speak. But everything else to me is kind of understandable, and you just kind of go from there. Paul, one more last thing I wanted to ask you about is Nate Hobbs, he put out a tweet about broken bones not stopping him. Do we have any update on his injury? And do you think the all caps, I ain't hiding, I'm right here, is that directed at Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> or or the fans, I don't know. Or the, the OC from, from Kansas City who he took offense with by not listing him as somebody he has to watch mm-hmm. out for going into the game. Uh, during the game, I believe he had one of his hands wrapped, and i got to look back at my eyes to see what it was. So, obviously, it, it, my first inclination is that he has a broken uh, bone in his hand with mm-hmm. a finger or a bone in there. So, um, And for a DB, I mean, they play DB for a reason, right? Because they can't catch the ball as receivers. At least that's facts. a joke. But, you know, <laughs> facts. Those he's, are facts. He's been playing well. He's been a revelation. He's been a revelation. He's been great. And, and again, they got this bye week to heal a lot of things up, bumps and bruises, and um, you know, Josh McDaniels didn't have any other updates on other guys yesterday either, so it wasn't no. how it plays off. No, he really didn't. Well, uh, Paul, great stuff as always, man. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that Jock Peterson and Devontae Adams uh, story that you wrote, and I know you put it out there on Monday talking about pregame reading material. It was great. It really was, but, uh, you know, we, we kind of touched on it, but for anyone who didn't get a chance to really take a, a look at it, tell them about it again. Yeah, no, it was just a funny thing. It's like like people kind of know that, that Jock and, and, and Devontae were, were high school teammates, but nobody had really gotten either of them to talk about it and do kind of a, I don't know, it was a deep dive so much as going under the surface a little bit to talk to them. And uh, it was just fun to be able to, to kind of go back and, and, and reminisce a little bit about the one season when a future all-star and a future pro bowler were high school teammates and the baseball player was actually ahead of him on the depth chart. And <laughs> to kind of talk to, to both of them and talk to the coach and, and to talk to guys in the Giants clubhouse as well as Raiders in the locker room about it. It was funny. The Giants clubhouse, they knew all about it because, uh, you know, Jock Peterson, that's something for him to brag on, right? Right. Uh, but it was funny. Uh, Brandon Crawford, the shortstop of the Giants, he told me, hey, yeah, I know that story, but I just figured that the only reason he was wide receiver one is because Devontae was getting doubled every every play. So <laughs> it was pretty interesting to talk to these guys and just do a deep dive, and, and you know what? I'll tweet it out again right now as soon as we hang up. Yeah, no, do that. It was a really good piece, man, and so I could definitely appreciate uh, doing some little deep diving like that, especially on a bye week. It's some extra material for yeah. uh, Raider Nation to be taken out, uh, but great job on your part. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Get some rest. Enjoy the bye week, and uh, we'll talk next week. Will do, man. Hey, Demon, I got to show you my autographed picture from the Iron Sheik where he says, Paul, you are the shiznit. He signed it just like that. <laughs> yeah, send that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Okay. We appreciate you, my man. There he goes, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN on Twitter at P Gutierrez ESPN. And really, that piece that he put out there about Jock Peterson for the Giants and also Devontae Adams, I thought that was so good. And I was trying to get him on on Monday, but we had a short show. That's the only reason I didn't get him on on Monday to talk about it. So I thought, hey, why not talk about it today? But great nuggets right there from one Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. 250 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back. Close out hour number one like that. See, this is, uh, this is Radio Nation Radio 920. You take this short period of time and you try to evaluate, um, you know, what are we doing well? Let's keep doing that. What are we not doing well enough that we have to keep doing? And then we have to try to find a solution and see if we can make some progress and improve those things. And then I think there's always a bucket where you say, what are we not doing well enough that maybe we don't need to do anymore? You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. Josh McDaniels right there on what needs to happen for the bye week during for the Raiders. Figure out what they do really well so they keep doing that. What are they not doing well enough, but they have to keep doing it? And then what do they have to throw in the bucket, as he called it? Oh, yeah, let's not do this anymore. That's the question that we ask you. Simple. That's the question that we ask you today. 69187, keyword R&R. Doesn't have to be long. Could be right to the point. 
Just give us the three thoughts. Boom, boom, boom. And keep it pushing. That's what we're doing. Mailman Raider hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. He said, just to be different from saying keeping the run game, I'll say, I love the blitzing from the outside. Keep that. Okay. Check. Get better at the scramble drills. When DC gets outside the pocket, I want to see wide receivers running with him, not away. Can make up for the pass pro. Okay. Check. You saw DC when he stepped up in the pocket, was able to deliver that ball deep down the field to Devontae Adams for that second touchdown. He's able to do things on the run. He really is. We've seen it. It's two weeks in a row we've seen him make some plays with his legs. The first week, it was just basically him running. The second week was him just moving the pocket. If it was stepping up in the pocket or just rolling it and still having the ability to make a pass. So that's a good one as well. And then Raider Nation needs to lose the negative energy with the fire him and him. We're five games into a new system. So uh, what he said is get rid of the negative energy that we're getting when it comes to head coach Josh McDaniels, when it comes to these players aren't very good. It is five games in. I actually had someone suggest to me that Josh McDaniels should be fired just like, and they said it like this. The only reason I bring it up is because they said, just like Carolina did. And as you know, Damon, I'm a Matt Rule guy. Carolina gave him 38 games. We're talking about five. <laughs> right? So I, I, my response was, Carolina gave him 38. It's only been five. So is that is that apples to apples? Are we talking about the same thing? No response. So I'm with you, Mailman Raider. Great stuff right there. So we throw the question out there to you. You can hit us up again, 69187, keyword R&R. What, in your opinion, do the Raiders do really well that they need to keep doing? What are they not doing well enough, but they got to keep practicing and getting better at it? And what do they need to throw in that bucket, as Josh McDaniel said, and scrapping, yeah, this ain't going to work. This is Rare Nation Radio 920.